It's time to get into the death. To me, it's got a ring to it. A weekly podcast dedicated to covering the student-athletes, coaches, and teams of the University of Minnesota Morris Cougars. There is no better place than into the den. And now, from the home of the Cougars, let's go deep into the den. We're going to talk Cougar athletics. With your co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. We're back, Timothy. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Den out there. This is Matt Johnson with co-host Tim Grove, bringing you into this week in Cougar Athletics. And actually, this week actually feels like spring in Cougar Athletics, Tim. It's got to feel awesome, man. Yeah, spring has sprung, and uh, we're starting to lose some snow and um, really to to get uh, get things going with, I guess, not get things going with spring sports, but get a little bit more of a spring feel to it. And, and uh, those things are exciting. We're looking forward to crossing your fingers, maybe even hosting some things here. Easy. Hopefully. Hopefully. But, um, I mean, just the, as you referenced, just even the feel of it, I mean, in the building, it feels different. I mean, the athletes have been able to be outside. We're seeing people out with shovels on Big Cat. But, hey, it's 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 not just in the gym. You know, football is going with spring practices already. I mean, uh, soccer is going that if the cards fall, as we hope they do, we might actually, like you said, be able to host something here in the next week or two. Yeah, that would be good. So <clears throat> in today's episode, what we have for, for our listeners today, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about weather. I'm going to have you give us a, an update on anything you can from the conference. We had kind of a piggyback from our, our discussion last week. From the weather desk of Matt Johnson. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and this is a special week in Division Three. This is Division Three week, so we've got a couple student-athletes with us today that we're going to highlight and have them um, tell us about their experience here at Morris, and and so if, for anyone that's that's on social uh, social media, they've probably seen the the D three um, explosion that's been going on on social media. So we'll have uh, some of our student athletes in to talk about that, and then we'll give our our usual rundown on on the competition that's been going on. We've got some baseball, softball to talk about, uh, track and field, and tennis. So um, some rundown things after that, but. I think we'll start with with weather. I know that uh, the athletic directors met again yesterday. Last week we had talked about the softball crossover that could be a, a big topic. Um, Weather-wise and anything else, what can you tell us uh, in the, the world of, of athletic directorship? Uh, well, basically, Sharon, what we just shared is that people are drying out. So, I mean, there's a good opportunity for, for events to happen, specifically on the softball side. Um, with this crossover weekend that's supposed to be at Crown College, it is going to happen this weekend. Okay. Crown has had some... Really beautiful weather. I mean, I mean, we're nice here, but they've been in the 80s, and I think today they're almost going to push 90 down there. Wow. So a ton of dry out that's going to happen. So on Friday, um, both the crossover, all eight schools in conference are all going to one location. So on Friday, uh, every school in conference will be at Crown. Half of the games are going to be played on their their dirt regular softball field, and then the other half are going to be played on um, their football field using actually our portable fence that, that we've loaned to them. Uh, Saturday is the still the stickler at this point in time because they're looking at for us like 30s, but for Crown like 40s and rain all day on Saturday. Okay. So as of right now, they're at Crown. Half of the games are going to remain at Crown, and then the other half are going to go to Northwestern because Northwestern's got turf at their yep. softball complex. So yep. that's at least the approach we're going to have right now. Um, but the, the week is going to happen, or the weekend, I should say, which is huge. But, but speaking honestly, dude, it puts a lot of pressure on us now because in two weeks, well, they come back to our place. Right, and that was going to be my next question for you is how do things look in terms of potentially hosting anything here yep. in the next few weeks? Well, the beauty of it is with Big Cat, we're gonna, we've, we will have one playing surface no matter what. And I even think, you know, I was talking with well, actually Olivia and, and Coach Penny Roy yesterday that I think we could run them all through just Big Cat if we had to. Sure. But ideally, if as I'm driving by softball, we've got green grass showing. It's just a matter now of how quickly the rest of the snow goes and how quick the thaw comes out. But yeah. we've got basically 14 days. Yep. And of course, we do share facilities with, with the high school, which we've talked about numerous times. And I know um, both at Chiswick with the, with the baseball guys and at the uh, Holmberg Field in the complex there, with the softball, that there have been people out trying to clear as much snow mm -hmm. as they can safely, protecting the field and all of that. Um, so, you know, the number one thing is just getting rid of the snow. 
Um, so that is is in process of doing so. And then it's like you said, it's it's the rest of it that has to has to fall into place. Yep. One of our biggest benefits here is our partnership with the high school and frankly with the with the community of Morris as a whole. But I will give a ton of shout out to the high school softball team and also the high school baseball team. Um, softball last week went out and blew a bunch of snow again safely mm-hmm. being the operative term yep. off of the softball diamond and then and and that's a bunch of not just players but parents involved too and then i know tiger baseball went out on tuesday onto chiswick field and they did the same thing and yep. now i saw a tweet last night from one of those moms yeah and it's a it's a market difference on the field so um give credit where credit is due that's not to say that the Cougs haven't had their own role in it but the high school has been super proactive about um, getting ahead of this thing, and, and we're paying the dividends of it now. So that partnership, T, and we've talked about it before, it's just huge for us. Yep. It's just a, 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 one of the my all-time favorite things about what we got going on. Yeah, you bet. Good. Well, thank you for that update, and we'll uh, we'll keep our listeners, uh, and, and always check the website. You can always check yep. the website for, for the numerous scheduling uh, uh, things that are going on. Yep, so. and I will say that I think our first home event actually is going to be tennis next Tuesday, and I know okay. that's still, let's wait and see. Yep. Um, but it is scheduled for a home match. The the courts are close. You know, they're close that if we can get through this weekend and not have any major snafus, I think we're going to host our first home sp- our spring sporting event. So Great. should Great. be an awesome atmosphere. Yeah, that'll be fun. Good. So without further ado now, I want to uh, bring in our special guests today. Um, as I mentioned early, this is D3 Week. Um, and just to give people an idea of what D3 Week is, it's it's a way of highlighting the priorities of, Div- of Division Three. Um, and then it's also to look at the impacts that our student athletes make on our campus and the surrounding community. So we are very uh, happy today to bring in both Olivia Diver and Logan Jacobs. Thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yep. It is um, just something pretty special when you think about what we do here. I mean, we, whether it's through our, our, our social media presence or what happens in our building organically that maybe other people don't hear about, it ultimately is about our athletes, right? Absolutely. And we spend a ton of time highlighting the things that they're generally doing on the field for us, which are tremendous. But when you get to know these people and peel back those layers a little bit, you find out just how special of people they actually are. And that's where I'm excited to have these two join us. And it could have been any number of 280 other ones, frankly. You bet. So let's start there, both Olivia and, and Logan. Uh, Olivia, we'll start with you. Um, if you could just introduce yourself, let us know where you're from, and then what got you to Morris? Yeah, um, well, as you said, I'm Olivia Diver. I'm originally from OK, Minnesota, which is up by Duluth, so like four, four and a half hours away. Isn't that like by Canada? <laughs> Not that quite. <laughs> All right. Not that far, but you're getting close. Um, and what brought me to Morris was kind of just the fact that I could also continue playing softball in the sport I love, but then also get a well-rounded education. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that stood out to me um, when I was looking at schools. Because obviously I could have went to UMD, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't have been able to play and get connections on campus as much as this. It's not super small where, like, you know, there's only 200 of us on campus, but yeah. also, like, I have connections. I can see people throughout the day. Um, so that's something that stood out to me as far as uh, when I was looking at colleges. So Excellent. Logan, how about you? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for, uh, for having us on here for sure. Um, but yeah, my name is Logan Jacobs. I'm from uh, I'm from Washington State, um, from another small town called uh, Kingston. Uh, also by Canada? No, <laughs> <Okay>. more, more <laughs> closer to Seattle. Right. <laughs> but um, but yeah, just a small town area. Um, when my parents divorced when I was young, uh, we moved in to my stepdad's family on the reservation, the Port Gamble Skalalum tribe, and uh, been living there ever since. Uh, they welcomed us in as a as a community, and it was super awesome to to be involved with all that. And then with Morris, I didn't I didn't know Morris was a town or what it was until uh, Gus Claymore, the uh, Native American liaison, uh, called me out of the blue. I was just hanging out in my room, not doing anything, and then I got the call, and he was like, "Hey, just wanted to tell you about Morris, tell you about our football pro- program." Uh, all that jazz, and then uh, he mentions the uh, the Native American uh, scholarship, which I think they thought that I was Native because I lived on a reservation with my stepdad, but I'm not actually Native. Um, but even with that phone call, I was super pumped to, to get over here because it was the first and only school that has ever reached out to me for football because I didn't know what I was going to do at the end of my football, at the end of my senior season. So, um, yeah, so I tried going through that um, application process and as soon as I applied I got denied uh, shortly after be for academic reasons and then I just stuck 
uh, kept to it, stuck to it, and uh, went through the whole appeal process. And while that was going on, COVID hit. So when COVID hit, it was just bad communication on both sides because of COVID in general. Um, and then from January to June, I didn't have any communication. Then in June, uh, Gus Claymore calls me and he says, so the counselor that was supposed to help you this entire time, she quit. So here's a new one, help you out with the entire process. So she came in, helped me, uh, got it done in like two weeks, um, and then had to wait for their decision, which came in on my birthday uh, in July when I got accepted to the school. And then, I got, and then that same day, I committed to the football team. And uh, then a week later, I just drove out here from Washington. And look where we are now. I and mean, that's exactly. the thing um, to both of you and obviously to Tim. I mean, everybody's path to, to college is different. And whether that means you're coming from Washington or coming from in-state, it doesn't matter. Some people know, which I hope, Cooper Johnson, if you're listening, you know right now that they're going to be Cougars <laughs> forever. But, but, yeah. but then the reality is, you know, some people it takes time or you've got to find that right fit. But ultimately, and obviously for both of you, now when you're entering into third, fourth years respectively, you found your niche. So talk to me a little bit about... Um, just just what it means to you. What's it like to be a student athlete here at University of Minnesota Morris? Because you reference softball and, and football respectively, but there's a lot more to it than just your games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, academically, the school helped me out a lot with uh, PAL sessions um, and all those type of tutoring sessions as well to, to help me uh, do better on my assignments, actually show up to classes, um, be responsible. That's another thing. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think kind of just building off of that, um, I think the fact that there's so many resources on campus, um, and then also resources for student athletes to help our athletes um, deal with missing classes when we are in season. Communication with our professors is amazing with all the athletes that I am friends with and stuff like that. So I think just being a student, you have connections on campus, but then having that athlete part of it is also really nice because if I would have went, say I was some D1 or whatever, I don't think I would have had connections with like my AD where I can just, like I was in your office yesterday talking to you about doing an internship with you. Like I don't think I would have gotten that at some big D1 school. So I think those connections are also something special that I appreciate on campus as well. Yep. Can you real quick to, to build on that, the, the student part of it too? And I think it's things that we take for granted here, but but things that other people on the outside might not know. What what academically goes into it, and specifically with softball, I mean, you don't you, you get a schedule at the start of the spring, but you know the yeah. second you look at it, that's not going to be right, right? Yeah. There's constantly game time changes, location changes. You might be in class, you might not be. How do you deal with that? And then, Logue, when you answer, obviously, football, you're going to play on Saturdays. You have, yeah. like, maybe one Friday where you miss. But football's a grind. You mm -hmm. meet every morning. You know, I want you to, to kind of talk about what that football life is like a little bit. But let's, Liv, hit me with it. What's with the ever-changing world of scheduling? Yeah. How do you stay on top of your academics to the point where softball, I think, last year had a team GPA of, like, a 3-4. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys were rock stars. How? Yeah. Um, well, for me personally, I know my, I'm going in, I'm a senior, so like obviously I've had my professors in how many classes at this point. So I think at this point they know in the spring, like if they have me in class in the spring, like I'm going to be in softball, my schedule's going to be changing. So also just like knowing them both personally and academically has helped me with that. Um, so meeting with them outside of class and stuff like that, just building that relationship. So then when I am on some random Wednesday, like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm going to be gone Friday now. Um, they're not like annoyed or stuff like that like they're like oh yep like lives in softball and schedule changes like so they understand so I think me being able to build that <clears throat> personal relationship with them has helped with that and then what about you Logan again I know football like you said is not so much the game changes as much as everything else that goes in with that sport mm -hmm. how, how have you and on a broader sense your teammates how do you manage that to make sure you stay successful in the classroom yeah um so yeah football season is just a total grind it does like the schedule doesn't move around as much as baseball we we meet every almost every single day and in, in Imhole at at between 5 or 6 a.m. depending on the day and we'll talk about what we're going to be doing at practice and schemes and stuff like that and then we'll have another meeting towards like common hour that's what we'll call it so like noon 11:45 something like that we'll be there for for another hour and talk more ball and then we'll eventually have practice later that day which is about 2 hours um, and it's, it's not like super rigorous work. Um, 
but but it, it it definitely is it is hard work for sure it's not easy it's a grind uh especially going in every single day and giving it all you got and then i feel like for the academic side it's a lot easier uh for for us football athletes just because our games are are mainly on the weekends so we don't majority of the time we don't have to um like rearrange times with our professors unless it's an assignment that is due over the weekend or something like that um or if you're going out of town then you need to talk to your professor about certain stuff but um yeah but all the professors are super um understanding and caring about all the athletes um which is awesome so <clears throat> service is an important part of of division three athletics right and so if you guys could highlight some of the, the community service things that uh, either you personally or your teams have been involved in, um, that would be, if you could just highlight some of that would be, would be great. Yeah, I know, um, like in the fall, um, Feed Our Starving Children came in, and I don't I think all the teams, I don't know if like football, if you were busy on that weekend or whatever, but mm -hmm. teams that were available all signed up. So like stuff yeah. like that will come into town um, as far as like an athletic department goes. Um, but as far as like personally, Something I do is, like, I give private lessons to, like, local softball players. So right now I'm working with this little fourth grader. She's the cutest little thing I've ever seen. <laughs> she loves coming to lessons. I love working with her. Um, but, again, like, if I was at a bigger school doing whatever, if I was a D1 athlete, like, I wouldn't have time for that because um, you're just going hard. But being a D3 athlete, being able to balance life and school and athletics, that's something I can put back into the community is my knowledge and skills of the game. So That's great. How about you, Logan, community service? Yeah, uh, we are, for the football team, we also do the, um, the Feed Our Starving Children uh, program where we pack the meals, put the labels on them, all of it. It's super fun. Uh, then we also, uh, during the fall, um, last podcast you guys talked about it, but with the red flags oh, yeah. at the yeah. mall, we also, we also do that as a, as a football program. And then, like, throughout, throughout the week, we'll have, like, I don't want to say like fundraisers, but like get togethers at the pizza ranch, giving out pizzas, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and with that money that we make, we send it over to that fundraiser. Oh, super. Yeah. Um, and just certain stuff like that. Yep. So obviously with that piece of it, and Liv, you touched on it a little bit. So having the opportunity to, to be a student, okay, graduate, to, to be an athlete on your respective field of competition, huge, but also be involved in the community. Those are all elements of what what hopefully would the the experience that we're providing here at umm but on a real broad sense what does it mean to you to just be a d3 student athlete um i don't know i think at this point after four years and going into five years it's just part of my identity at this point um it's something that i'll always be i'll always be a d3 athlete no matter if i'm you know 22 right now or if i'm 65 like i will always have been a d3 athlete at umm morris um and I think that alone, especially if you did go to Morris and do have that experience, like, you know what that means to you. So, um, like, I've made connections that I'll have for the rest of my life. So that's just, I don't know, that's special. Yeah, uh, just going off of that, like, when I first came in to the D3 program, I, I didn't really know much about it uh, other than, like, the chirps uh, saying, like, D3 isn't as good as D2 or D1. But now I'm going into my, my senior year, it's... Like you said, it's like part of me. It's my identity. I love every opportunity that I get to play the sport that I love, um, even if that's even if that's a, a Division three level, because I still get to make those connections with players and coaches and even students who are fans of football. Like it's it's fun getting to interact with those students and people in the community, and uh, love that. Who are your who are some of your favorite people on campus? Well, I mean, obviously, it's easy, the first one, but go, go ahead. Other than, other than Athletic Director Matt Johnson, <laughs> who, are, who are some of your favorite people on campus? Mm. Oh, shoot, I would probably... Um, Nade, the, uh, the CMR, um, the head of the CMR uh, majors. Uh, she's super cool, super helpful uh, in and outside of the classroom. She's also my um, advisor, so she helps me out with a lot of stuff. Um, a lot, and same with uh, Athena Kildegard. Um, she was also super helpful uh, to me uh, as a student. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think kind of going off of that, um, I like Bart Finzel. He's my advisor, um, and I've had, I think I've taken every one of his classes that he offers at this point. That away, Bart. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bart. Um, and I also love Bibu Panda. Um, yeah. He's 
one that I have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and so I've missed quite a few of his classes this semester, but he's great with working with me, so I really appreciate him for that. So one thing you guys haven't answered for, I guess we haven't specifically asked, but what are you majoring in? Well, for me, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between CMR and sports management, but that's the nice thing about going here is that you can, like, you don't have to decide day one. Like, you can bounce around back and forth. So I think, though, I am leaning more towards the communication side. And then I am a double major in economics and financial management. Money. Yeah. <laughs> See, and then, um, w- you didn't mention your coaches, which is fine. But and I think well, I thought that was too obvious. Well, yeah, but, 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 but but to that point, I think one thing that I'd like to hear real briefly, each of you touch on is, yes, you're going to know your individual coaches. And I give you grief because, yeah, I know both of you. But the reality is with our department, it's not like softball is just with softball mm-hmm. coaches. And it's certainly not like football is just with football coaches, although sometimes it seems like that. Yeah. But the reality is that you get to interact and 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 associate with other programs. You know, you know a Tim Grove is an example mm-hmm. that I think, you know, lived to your point earlier. I don't know if that exists on, on bigger campuses, mm-hmm. certainly, because you're so siloed and your job is your sport and that's it. Yeah. Talk real quickly about culturally within athletics, at least uh, hopefully the support you mm-hmm. feel from, from multiple facets. No. Yeah. I love our athletic department. I love all the staff. Um, like whenever I see Polly G around campus, like he's always giving me a hug and asking me about the games and stuff like that. So Um, I don't know if you'd get that anywhere else besides D3, um, just because higher levels, like coaches are just so focused in on what they're doing, what they're doing in their season, off season, what their athletes need. So it's kind of hard for them to work around other athletics, but it's really nice having support from the other coaching staff and stuff like that. And already, like, they already know the stuff. It's not that they're just asking, like, oh, hey, how'd the game go? They already know the score. They already know, like, oh, hey, you had this hit, you had this game, walk off, whatever. Like, they already know that stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah, just going off that, just love the whole sports community in this town. Like, everyone is so into sports, whether that's football or baseball or even basketball. There's people that go. Um, so it's just nice to to get that support from the community and the campus, for sure. So stepping away from the campus uh, specifically, but looking at more of, of Morris, if there was... If there was a fast food franchise or a restaurant that you could bring to Morris and, and put down somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, what would what would your choice be? Quick trip. See, a quick trip. Yeah, not a fast food restaurant or anything else, but you want to talk about a one-stop shop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Okay. I'd probably say Wendy's. Big Ooh. Wendy's guy. Mm-hmm. Frosty's. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, and I don't know, man. I'd go more like Chipotle or Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. or whatever see, else the I, case is. Yeah, I anticipated Chick-fil-A being an answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack? Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Oh, we got a Jimmy yeah. John's. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of those are coming to town anytime soon. Darn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now let's stay local. You got to go out and eat someplace in town here. Where's your stop? Uh, I like Old Number One or Stone's Throw. Okay. Yeah. Is it in town? I'd prefer it to be in town. Mm. I was going to say Buddies, but... Ooh, mm, uh, you know okay. what? That's that a Buddy count? show. Hancock, okay. that one's okay. for you. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's a, a million-dollar question specifically for you, Liv, because financial management person. <laughs> Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And that can be professionally. That can be... I mean, you can take that whatever way you want, but where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, hopefully I had completed grad school by then, <laughs> um, but we'll see. Um, Are you being a doctor? <laughs> no, okay. I just want a master's. All right. Because um, I do eventually want to coach in college. Okay. So hopefully in 10 years I will be a head coach of some softball program somewhere. Collegiate softball coach. Yes. Loving it. All right, Logue, how about you? Well, for me, I've been, a, I've been kind of starting a whole new hobby of uh, like content creating or like uh, video making for uh, sports. I started a, a YouTube channel where I, right now I'm covering uh, the XFL um, and stuff like that, just talking ball and stuff like that. So in the future, I would like to continue doing doing that kind of stuff, whether that's still on YouTube or whether that's somewhere else. FS1, FS1, ESPN. Yeah, well, something yeah, like that. You know, Climb that ladder, you got to start First small. Take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Bring yeah. it on, Stephen A. Exactly, exactly. Just... Trying to continue that for sure. Well, but if you think about it when you're talking CMR and for those of you out there, communications, media and rhetoric degree mm-hmm. or sport management, that's again, a beauty of liberal arts, pat ourselves on the back where you can take these two completely different worlds yeah. and blend them into something that professionally, hopefully in 10 years, that's where you're at. I, I, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, no, that's great. So that kind of concludes the serious part of the whole uh, 
interview here. And now we're gonna have some fun. Well, now it's when it gets right. tough. Okay. Right. Now we're gonna have some fun. I just hope they miss as many questions as I did. Not that I, I mean I'm, I'm here to support you. I don't think but. that's possible. <laughs> okay. Um, I think they would know who Mr. Clean is in the athletic department. Oh man. No, Rit. you didn't get that one. Not well. Thanks Are you for being kidding such, me. Thanks for being such a loyal listener. That was like three episodes ago, and no one missed it. Hey, I've been a little busy. Oh, yes, they have been busy. So here's how this is gonna work. I put together uh, ten. I'm going to say questions. Some of them are statements. I'm going to ask you true or false. But um, 10 things that I'll ask you about either Division Three specifically or the NCAA as a whole. Okay. Okay. And we'll, we'll get your take on this. Now, being this is the land of academia, I do have to cite my sources. So I've okay. got, I got all this information off of NCAA.org. Okay. So if anyone wants to uh, you know, question the answers here, you can, you can find the information there. Which so. there's going to be somebody else like that in the thinking world. Somebody's going to question one of these. Sure. All right. There will. So here's how this is going to work. You guys can collaborate, but I just need okay. one answer from the two of you. Okay. All right. So we will start with this. There's roughly 1,100 total institutions in NCAA. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm asking you which of Division One, Division Two, or Division Three has the most schools. D3 is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'd probably think D3 too. We're going to go D3. Final answer? Yeah. Let's go. Division 3 is correct. There's about 443 schools in Division 3. So that is correct. They are one for one. Not a surprise. You want to talk (laughs) about a softball question? It was. All right. (laughs) All right. True or false? Although Division 3 colleges and universities have the lowest enrollments, okay, uh, they offer on average the most sports. Is that true or false? So even though the enrollment is the fewest, they offer the most sports. I'm thinking true. Are we including like club sports? So like what I rugby no. count? Okay. No, it would be sponsored. D hmm. three. Yeah, I'm thinking true. Okay, I'll go with your gut. Yep. Okay, sweet. Let's go. That is correct. You talk about uh, the philosophy of of participation and uh, yeah there's there's on average 19 sports which we are right in line with here that is correct and just for you know information's sake uh, Sandy Olsenoy just asked me this yesterday the number of or percentage of student athletes on campus here which I hope is an upcoming it is okay never mind you can talk about Morris though yeah Morris percentage of student athletes about 31% of our students so 19 sports mean mm-hmm. that it Fantastic. makes sense you yeah. bet alright number three so far you guys are two for two excellent are there more public or private schools in Division Three? Probably say private. Yeah. 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 Especially in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final answer. Private. Sweet. These are rock stars, how dude. How about that? Three on for three. Roll. And how about especially in Minnesota? You mean like one? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yes. us. <laughs> Little known fact: the only public Division Three university in the state of Minnesota. But yes, eighty percent. Uh, oh, wow. Division three wow. universities are indeed mm. private. Three for three. All right, next. S- stemming off Matt's last comment, what percentage of Division three enrolled students participate in sports? He just mentioned here on cam- our campus is about 31%. I will give you a, how much leeway should you give me here? About a 5%? 10%? Uh, I take we'll five. We'll give you five. <laughs> we'll give you five. <laughs> so here at Morris, it's 31. What do you think the average is in Division three? Hmm. Probably... Probably around like 45. I was going to go like 38. 38? Going to meet in the... Yeah, why not just go with an obtuse number like that? That's really... Uh, 42? Sure. All right, bet. Dang it. Darn. Uh, We are actually on the high side. 31 is the high side. It's uh, roughly about 25%. Oh, Oh, wow. But I will say this. With some of our UMAC colleagues, many of them are at 40 or plus. Mm. Mm -hmm. True, Morris. All right. Another true-false. Student-athletes can receive athletic scholarships in all three divisions. False. False. That is correct. Of course, Division Three does not have athletic scholarships as... Our athletes here are well aware. <laughs> yep. <laughs> True or false? Number six. Division three schools are represented in each of the 48 states within the continental United States. Ooh. So of those 443 institutions in the lower 48 or continental 48. I feel like that would make sense. 
I feel like someone like, I don't know, Utah just doesn't have like a D3 or something. <laughs> or like Montana. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it would make sense. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say true. Okay, true. Final answer? No way. Wah, wah, wow. Wow. Yeah, you don't have to go far. North Dakota, South oh, Dakota. That's oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, darn. Nope. Colorado does not. That's right. I don't think Montana does. I mean, mm-hmm. no. Idaho, uh, Nevada, um, oh, wow. down south in New Mexico, Arizona. I don't think they oh. have division three. I was that's so wrong. <laughs> no. So there was only 36 states that actually have division Oh, wow. Three. Wow, that's so, crazy. There you go. All right. Um, true or false, entrance requirements are the same in all three divisions. Uh, false. False. And you know that's correct. Uh, do you know? Do you know what is specific about about that? Why? Why, why I would ask that? Any idea? Mm-hmm. That's really putting you guys on the spot. Mm-hmm. I just know it's di- like different for different universities, even. So I knew that was false. Correct. So mm-hmm. at Division Three, each ind- each institution has their separate requirements oh, to okay, get okay. in. Okay. Um, someone could get denied at the University of Minnesota Morris, but mm-hmm. get accepted in every other Division Three. Um, so that makes sense. That is correct. Way to go. Number eight. You guys are doing great. Uh, Liv, I'm hoping you get this as a SAC member. Okay. And so, now so that is a pressure SAC. right there. Oh, it no. Oh. It in 2011, Division Three SAC initiated a partnership with what organization? Special Olympics. Oh, look at that. Oh, man. Didn't Fan. even have to give the prop. Fantastic. Good no, job. Very good. Special Olympics. Um, excellent. And we, of course have done numerous things on our campus mm-hmm. uh, with that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that at all? Um, sure, yeah. Um, we actually just had our SAC meeting a couple weeks ago. Um, and so the Special Olympics Center representative, um, he talked, gave us some new ideas. Um, we've usually done like a polar plunge as a fundraiser. They now have a mobile polar plunge. Um, so I am thinking about t- reaching out to him and discussing about that instead of us dragging everyone out to a lake. Um, I was thinking maybe we could just bring out their mobile truck and do it on the mall. Um, have a little bit more, that have another event really, on that campus. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, just another on spectacle. Campus, that would be super cool. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. Um, and then thinking, because um, they're also talking about collaborating with other colleges. So like, you know, Crown and Northwestern were discussing at the meeting, but I'm like, we don't really have anyone close to us. So um, hosting our own event of maybe like, dodgeball or basketball um and then also i was thinking maybe doing two events because then we could also do a skills camp as well with all the athletes we have yep see an unbelievable partnership there something that unfortunately covid had a negative byproduct on Mm yeah but pre-covid we used to host a special olympics basketball tournament here i mean at least one time a year and perhaps two so yeah um you know there's a long-standing tradition there too that i'm excited to hear this and the mobile polar plunge yeah goalers in I can tell you right now. You I know. Over that, yes. So. I will pay double the amount of the fundraiser just to see him get in. Uh, <laughs> Olivia, that is great information. Thank you for sharing that. Love mm-hmm. it. Absolutely love it. All right. Two left. All right. Uh, now, this, I will admit, this is a difficult question. Okay. Um, not, certainly not common knowledge, but I will, we'll give you a little bit of leeway here as well. So, among our Division three schools, undergraduate enrollment really is a is a wide range okay the largest school is over 25,000 enrolled students okay almost 26,000 students what I'm asking you is what is the low end of that so the high end is almost 26,000 I would like to get you guys within 50 students enrolled students of what is what is the low end what's the smallest enrolled division three I know one of the lowest I've heard is around a couple hundred really yeah wow that's really low um. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that. Uh, yeah, I'd be like one, one seventy. Sure. Yeah, one seventy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Close, <sighs> you guys. It really. The number I'm getting off that is two fifty seven. Oh damn! Oh, seriously, so that's you guys were a great guess. It was really good. I'm impressed. You guys, that was that was good. And two hundred and fifty seven. By the way, we have two hundred and ninety six athletes on campus. So that would be mm. basically just our athletic department is that entire institution. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, last but not least, do you wanna you wanna lead them into this one? Nope. This is your rodeo, my friend. All right. All right. Number ten. The last one. True or false? Athletic director Matt Johnson. Began his collegiate career illustrious as a Division II oh. athlete, and finished his career as a Division Three athlete without transferring anywhere. True. True. 
why you might ask, how is that true? How is that possible, <laughs> Mr. Matt Johnson? Yeah, well, we were uh, Division Two in mm-hmm. 1999 through yep. 2002, and I happened to be here until 2003. So mm. I don't know how much of an athletic career it was. We dissected that on a yes, you know, many pods ago. <laughs> yes, but, we did. Um, yep, that is a fact, fact. Uh, you guys did absolutely awesome. Way to go. Sweet. Um, now, we, we wanted to highlight... Division three week um, on this pod this week, and and uh, no one better to come in and help us do that than the two of you. So, Olivia and Logan, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for sharing all you did. Um, thanks for all you do around campus. I mean, we we do what we do because of the student athletes that uh, that we get the pleasure of being surrounded by every single day. So, um, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, love it having you guys in. And and thanks a lot for being here. Yep. Yeah, keep keep representing Morris the way that you both have already, and how all your your friends and, and colleagues do too you know that's to tim's point that's why this podcast is happening right now it's mm-hmm. why we're going to talk baseball softball tennis track in a second here because yeah. of y'all so appreciate you very much yeah thanks for having us yeah thank all right. you all right we will move on to uh baseball and they had a three-game set with north central university and uh i know you were able to be in attendance for their their game number one on Friday well a couple innings yeah we were down uh, I think I shared before but we're going down to the twins home opener my family and I did uh, but the Cougs were in town right before that so we went over and watched uh, them play North Central at Northwestern and I think we got in probably four innings I'm not gonna lie to you T it was a little cold and I was ill prepared for that <laughs> okay. um, but it was great to see the Cougs in action I know you're gonna go through it here but um, to see them now enter into conference play and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it and as we show these scores it shows we're competing at a pretty high level right yeah. now. I mean, the baseball team is clicking on a whole bunch of cylinders, and I got actually to get my eyes on it for the first time. Normally, you and I would be up in in the press box at Chiswick right. doing play-by-play, that's but right. uh, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. So to be there was huge, but talk a little bit about the games. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, three games against North Central University. Uh, they played fr- just because of the scheduling. It was, it was nuts, but they played one game Friday, one game Saturday, and then finished out the, se- the series on Tuesday. So we'll take those one at a time because they are all nice nice wins for the Cougs going 3-0. and uh, But on Fridays when, when you were there, they had a 17-5 to win um, in eight innings. They led the entire way, and then they put it out of reach in the eighth inning with an eight with putting up eight runs there um, to put the thing away. And Morris had 16 hits on the day, which just an absolute hit parade, which is great. But highlighting some of that, David Steffen, Ben Muser, who we'll talk more about, he's absolutely on a tear. Uh, and Zach Froman, all with three hits uh, apiece. Bauman Schmitz and Keegan Jonas, uh, two hits each. And then Muser with four RBI with, as we mentioned, the grand slam in the eighth mm-hmm. inning to really put that thing away. Kind of on the o- offensive side, those are the guys that, uh, that led the way for us. Um, but also an Im- important part of what the Cougs do is they really run the base as well. Uh, just talking to OB the other day, he said really what, what can set teams apart and can what give other teams problems is – is having that ability to steal bases, right? And the Cougs did that with nine stolen bases on the on the day, uh, with David Steffen three and and Bauman getting a couple there. So just really an impressive overall offensive showing. Yep, I know that that as the year goes on and it's such a, a such a short season because it's so compacted. Mm-hmm. But I think we weren't taking as many bags earlier in the year as what I think we're accustomed to, especially if you think back to the Joe Pelly and Logan Graves right. of last year, both of them individually setting the single season you know, uh, steals record. And now all of a sudden weather warms up a little bit. You get outside, you start getting these games and you see that running game coming into effect. And, and it absolutely has an impact on the games. And honestly, not even just the stolen bases piece of it, but there were several times on the base pads with my own eyes being there that you get to see these things where our aggression on the bases put North central in a position where we plated runs out of it. You know, for instance, I know there's a pass ball and I don't, fourth inning fifth inning it doesn't mm-hmm. matter the dude from third scores but north central is tardy getting that thing back in we end up having the dude from second base come around and score on that too i mean stuff that you just don't if you're not going to be aggressive on those pads which by the way you'll run into outs sometimes out of that too sure sure um but to have nine steals and to put pressure on the defense like they did there, just outstanding and it was it was fun to see and then to get those bats going and yes muser is is just ripping it right now but <laughs> Stefan continues to hit at the top of the lineup right. and he's a tough out Ethan has come back to earth a little bit, but let's not kid ourselves. He's We've just got it clicking right now, and yes. that's dealing with some nagging injuries, which some of these guys have at this time. The other thing I, I'm sure is coming up too, but Reinhardt's on the bump. Joey pitched really well in that game, struck out five and five innings of relief, and ended up coming away with that win. 
yeah, just so it, a, a real solid start um, to the to the series. And and one thing we talked about uh, leading into that was was there's there's certain games you have to go and get, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think I mentioned actually on the pod last week that you know one thing that that I talk about with my team all the time in terms of of getting games is is we we certainly do not at all in all case want to lose to a non-playoff team we just have to those are games we have to go and get and I think that was the position that the the baseball team was in and they did it yep and it's it's different from every sport of what those teams are and it's not to take away from them because they're still collegiate baseball players and they're still celebrating d3 week like our guys are that's right um but you see north central and you think to yourself that's not a split type scenario you know they need to go start off with that first win um, but then it turns into something else. And one thing I will mention before we move on to Saturdays then too, again, things you see that you can read a box score and see in the fifth inning, we turn to double play. Fine, easy. What you don't know, and I think you were watching online too, North Central had runners on third, second and third, nobody out. Right. Okay. Ground ball hit to Bauman at short. The guy from second base breaks to third, the third base guy, which by the way, he should have. That cat should have scored on that play because we're going to take the out, doesn't move. So now we get the guy caught between second and third in the pickle. Alex slaps the tag on him. And during that, their guy from third base breaks for home. We throw it home. And I can't, I think it was Keegan maybe at, at catcher, sure, sure. slaps the tag on, well, gets caught in the rundown. And all of a sudden, there's a, a three, well, whatever it would be, six yeah. U on a, you know what I mean? It was just. <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy play, but those are the type of things that that I'm so proud of our program. We not saying you never make mistakes, right. but I haven't seen us get caught in a situation like that where North Central, thankful for the Cougars, ran themselves right out of an inning, yes. and then we get a big K, and all of a sudden it's over. Yep. So, um, yeah, they're clicking right now. And Friday was a great start. Yeah, then we move on to Saturday. They had a six-three win there. Uh, a much different game than Friday's. It was a it was a close game throughout, and I even talked to Obi about this one as well. And he just said, you know, the, the scary thing is if you if you let teams like this hang around, then you you kind of put yourself in a in a tough position. And and uh, and and they were they were they were tied at five going into the top of the ninth. And the Cougs, oh by the way, uh, put up a five spot in, in the top of the ninth. Another ho hum to put it away. Uh, but again, Stefan Schmitz, Ben Leal, all with two hits apiece. Uh, Leal with three RBI on the bases uh, for, or I should say, three RBI on a bases clearing double in that ninth inning, yep. which was the, the big key hit there. And again, running the bases. We had six stolen bases, Stefan, Baum, and Benson, each with two there. So um, again, it, it was certainly a different game and a, and a different feel. Had to kind of gut it out. Uh, but then that, that top of the ninth is where they uh, they rose up and shined and and were able to put that thing away. Well, and winning close ones, right? They're not all going to be 17-5 to five ball games. The reality is it, it, some of them are tough, and specifically when you're playing one on a Friday morning and then you're doing nothing for 24 hours and then playing another one. I mean, it's it's you never blame schedules for anything because we have to set it ourselves and the weather is what it is. Yeah. But that's hard to come back from, and North Central so, showed some real fight there. Yep. Um, but once again, there, there were good things going on. Benny Leal... New to the well, he's a transfer this year, yep. but a huge a three run basis clearing double top nine. I mean, for our program and for Ben, that must have just felt like a million dollars for him. Yep, big. And then uh, on the bump on Saturday, Brian Vanio struck out five in five innings of work, and then Ryan Wilhelm Wilhelm sorry came in uh, motivated maybe by his sister's player of the week award the week before. Very possibly uh, came in and and earned the win in three innings of relief there. And he, he brings himself to a two and all record. Yep. And as we keep going into this season and, and we're going to talk here after the, the third game too, arms are going to be at a premium yeah. and we've talked about uh, at nauseam. We don't need to again, but our technically, if you want to look at it, number one and number sure. two are yeah. up for the year. Yeah. So that's where, when you look at like a Vanyo and a Wilhelm stepping up and toting this rock, you know, Harrington, when he comes in and mm-hmm. does his thing, the other guys who are going to find themselves on the bump for us over this spring and knowing how many games there are still to play outings like that from Vanyo and then Wilhelm and relief are just going to go a long way. Yes, they will. And then in the season, uh, the season, I say that all the time in the series finale, um, Tuesday's fourteen to three win in seven innings. Uh, they jumped out. One of those they jumped out early and just never looked back. Yep. Uh, ben Muser was the story of the game, going five for five with five, RB, five RBI, four runs scored, uh, two home runs on the day. Um, again, some familiar names: Stefan, Beasley, Benson, all with two hits and two RBI. And then you mentioned Elias Harrington. Um, solid pitching effort from him. Started for the Cougs, went five innings to earn the win there. So a nice uh, series finale, fourteen to three win, uh, which puts the Cougs at at four and two in UMAC play. So they're they're in a good spot. Um, their only two losses again were to Crown and then the split with Bethany Lutheran. Yep. Teams that are certainly uh, in the hunt for playoff positioning. 
And now we have to look forward to the league-leading UWS uh, Yellow Jackets here this week. Yeah, correct. And we'll talk about where that game's going to be played, among other things. But we've positioned ourselves as a baseball program to be playing meaningful baseball at this point in time in the year. And yes, you're thinking four and two, they've only played six games. Well, the conference season is is compact. It's only a 14-game season. We're almost halfway through it. You know, or excuse me, at 21, we're yep, a third of yep. the way through it. But um, but it's one of those things where as we've gotten into conference play, and I just want to run through it here real quickly, we have got eight, eight hitters right now that since we've entered conference play are hitting 300 or better. Wow. And when you start thinking about that, that's when you start seeing successes. Obviously, like we referenced, on the on the, the pitching hill is going to win or lose ball games for us. But when you got Muser hitting 414 in conference, four homers and 10 ribs, Stefan 379, Leal 375, on down, Froman, Bauman, Beasley, Alex uh, Gedart, Schmitz, our ninth hitter, if you want to look at it this way, is still hitting 276 with a homer and 10 RBI in conference play. Yeah. So, as, as again, as the weather is warmed, all of a sudden these guys are, are, are rising to the surface. And it's it, the Cougs are showing off their depth with a bunch of people coming in and having mm-hmm. clutch hits when they need it. But again, eight of their nine guys in conference hitting over 300 right Incredible. now. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it just uh, sets things up well for the rest of the way. And, and these games are going to be going to be coming fast and furious. Yep. They just will be. So, um, yeah, so the baseball program, baseball team in a, in a great spot here, 4-2 and two in UMAC play. Um, that moves us then to softball. Softball had uh, two different doubleheaders here this week. Um, on Monday, they split a doubleheader with Crown, which, again, was played at the University of Northwestern. Uh, which has kind of been the, the, the site for a lot of these games. Uh, but game one was a 5-3 to three loss. Um, error is really the story in game one. And as we'll talk about, not only game one, I think that's kind of been uh, the Achilles heel for, for their, much of their season thus far. Uh, but error's story in the game one, it's Coos committed three errors in a span of two innings to allow all five polar runs. And that's just hard to come back from. That's it's, that's a tough position to put your pitchers in. Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially um, you know versus Crown. And again, never say never, right? But a program that historically we have we have beaten, and even in close contests, um, to to lose it the way we did. And I talked, to, I had an opportunity to talk to Coach Penny Roy afterwards, and she was just really disheartened, you know, and sure. not not with effort. This is sure. not, and it's never an effort question with them as much as it's t- valuing the baseball. You know, or excuse me, the softball and making those plays you have to make, whether routine or not, and to have five errors in a game, it 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 puts undue pressure on your pitching staff. And once again, AJ didn't pitch poorly. That's right. Now she took the loss in it, but five, all five of those runs were unearned. So yes. it, the the good thing about it is I keep looking at it and thinking about this from from my perspective, and I hope many's is those are things we can control. Mm-hmm. You can control making the right play with the ball and doing things of that nature. But, um, yeah, it was an unfortunate loss in game one. Now, they did get runners on in the seventh and had an opportunity to, to hopefully string something together. But, unfortunately, it just didn't, didn't come. Thankfully, game two, though, uh, was a different story. It was, and a nice come from behind, 4-3 to three victory for the Cougs. They were down 3-1 to one after the fifth inning, and then Morris scored two runs to tie the game in the top of the sixth. And that was highlighted by a single uh, by Brenna Mahoney, which, uh, by the way, drove in her, her sister, which was uh, which awesome. kind of cool. So, um, and then in, in the top of the seventh, Tori Nichols drove in Sierra Stevens uh, to give the Cougs their first lead of the day at 4-3. to three. And then Morgan Wilhelm, Talking a lot about the Wilhelms mm-hmm. today. Fantastic. Uh, closed the door on the Polars in the bottom of the seventh. Um, she earned her second straight win. She struck out five, gave up no earned runs. Uh, and then Brenna Mahoney, as we mentioned before, paced the Cougars offensively, uh, going two for three with a couple RBI. Yeah, once again for Morgan, a, an outstanding outing, the 5Ks. Again, gave up some runs, none of them earned, however, yep. which is a continuation from our previous conversation. And then Brenna Mahoney, like you referenced, she's just ripping the cover off the ball right now. Yep. Again, just looking at just conference-only stats, she's a 6 of 9, so hitting 667 in conference with three <laughs> big ribbies. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where peaking peaking at the right time, Tori Nichols, which we talked a little yep. bit about, had a big knock, you know, to come back. It's it's good to see the bats coming alive too because on the on the bump, I continue to say you're on the stripe in softball our pitchers are putting in a sudden position to win ball games. Yeah. Yep. So a split there with crown. Uh, and that takes us then to Tuesday. Uh, we faced a very good Bethany Lutheran team yeah. down um, at their place. Uh, game one was a 13 0 loss in five innings. Um, the Cougs did not get a hit 
in that game. Uh, they committed two errors in the first and four more in the fifth, which allowed the majority of the runs finishing with a total of seven errors. So again, that's kind of a common theme going here. Then you really need to shore up their defense, um, certainly. And then game two was an eight to four loss uh, for the Cougs. Brennan Mahoney, name we've mentioned already. Uh, and you just did three for four at the plate, so nice offensive production there. Um, Torrey Nichols had a couple of hits, but again, committed three more errors on defense. Yep. So um, that's going to be something they want to shore up. But that puts the Cougs at one and three in UMAC play, and then, of course, single games this weekend in uh, in the UMAC crossover. Yeah, and the thing with softball, as many people know, is you can see someone's ace multiple games in a row. The yes. same pitcher for Bethany Lutheran through both of those games. Senny, I believe, is her last name. Mm -hmm. So obviously in the first game, she was unhittable, yep. hence the no hits allowed. But we didn't help ourselves by, again, sloppy, sloppy defense, which puts pressure on the bats and everybody else to try and make plays. And then she went and threw in game two as well. But we touched her up for four runs. We did. You know, so it's one of those things where seeing her the second time through the, through the um, lineup perhaps is better for us. But um, I know there's been a lot of focus on and will continue to be defensively for the Cougs. And that's through, you know, Coach Penny, but also through Coach Goaler, too, of just saying, hey, those are controllable errors, things mm -hmm. that we've got to take a handle on ourselves. And the good thing is they've got games this weekend coming up, what, three, I believe, or four. Four. Four, I think. You know, ver that are conference-counting opponents, yep. singles. Yep. And we play back-to-back -back on both Friday and, and Saturday. So it's one of those things. Different opponents, four different ones, bang, bang, bang. Who knows what the weather's going to hold. Right. But an opportunity that we could come out of this thing, and hopefully we're now all of a sudden sitting at five and three Correct. or you know, four and four, yep. that we brought ourselves back to equilibrium. Yep, for sure. So um, that's where softball sits right now, and that allows us to move on to uh, talking about track and field. Um, they made their outdoor season debut last Friday at St. Thomas. Really tough competition. They had Division I uh uh, runners and throwers and, and Division Two as well. So lots of, of uh, good competition there. The, on the men's side, we had a few top 10 finishes that we can talk about. Luke Peterson placed third in the hammer throw. Uh, Cody Nye, a name we have mentioned numerous times, placed fifth in the shot put. And then um, Anthony Starizic placed eighth in the shot put. And then our 4 by 100 meter relay team uh, placed sixth, and that's Isaiah Boss, Gage Rogers, Noah Rooney, and Duncan uh, Vandergon there with our um, four by 100 meter relay team. Yeah, uh, track is, you know, we talk a lot about baseball, softball, and the impact obviously on on scheduling, right? Because that's the easy one. It's the fields on campus, et cetera. Yep. And generally speaking, track is on the road. Anyhow, it's been a mess, T. It's just been really challenging for them. They've got to find, just for, for knowledge out there, you have to compete in six outdoor track and field meets for just compliance NCAA-wise. This was our first, as we said, our outdoor championships we'll host here will be two. So Josh has been as creative as he can in trying to find ways to go and schedule, and you got to have at least 12 members of each gender okay. go as well, too. So you can't just send Cody Nye, yeah. our best thrower, to St. John's and call that a meet, right? It's It's been... It's been challenging. But to get down to St. Thomas, and you reference face D1 and D2 competition, absolutely. But like we talked, I can't remember, a million years ago, track is so track is just its own beast. that, yeah. that ha That's not uncommon at all. Yeah. We can go run at the Twin Cities campus, and yes, that, that cat might run a 4-4-40, right? But, but they're, they're within two hundredths of a second of each other, whatever the case is. And to see some of specifically on the throw side... A first-year kid like Anthony Cody, a, a, a steady performer. Luke Peterson, again, a steady performer. Go and have that kind of a success, a third, a fifth, and an ace place finish. That's pretty outstanding. Yeah, it is. And and the other big news on the week uh, that was announced, I believe, yesterday, um, Cody Nye, again, the UMAC Scholar Athlete Leadership Award yeah. um, recipient there. Just If you can talk just briefly about that, because I know um, – uh, that was one of the things that, that was, was discussed up at the athletic director meetings. If you could shed a little bit of light on that. Yep. Each institution is allowed to, is, is asked to nominate one male and one female candidate for the UMAC Scholar Athlete Award. And it obviously takes into account the, the accomplishments in the classroom. No questions asked. And we detailed Cody a ton. I mean, he's yep. a three, seven, five in yep. graduate school and it just crazy. Um, but then the FARs, faculty athletic representatives, so one prof from each campus get together and they discuss amongst themselves about, hey, th these are this person's merits and this person's and this person. And Cody out of that group of eight was selected as the winner on the men's side. And I think, Tim, if I'm not mistaken, this is our first one in like four or five years. I think you're right, yeah. You know, it, because it's a huge honor. You're, you're looking at there's every school has got athletes just like what we do, maybe not to the same caliber, but, but pretty darn good. Um, 
and and it's tried to spread the wealth a little bit, but it was robust conversations from what Tracy Anderson shared with us, right. and Cody was the winner. And I think I mentioned, but if not, on the women's side, AJ, yep. she was our women's nomination, yep. and although she didn't win, she is one of eight total women in the conference nominated for that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an incredible honor. But for Cody in particular, I mean, he's our Arnold Henge Award winner, which we talked about. And now he's the UMAC representative for that award for the entire year. So an outstanding an honor. Yeah. Congratulations to Cody and, and obviously uh, very well earned and, and deserved there. Um, then we can move over to the women's side. And really, um, uh, not necessarily the, the, the top 10 finish that we were able to talk about on the men's side, but um, Kim Peters really had a, a she's a superstar. Yep, yeah, she is. She is really things were really highlighted by by Kim and and she was tops for the Cougars in the 100 meter dash, the long jump, and the triple jump, which earned her the UMAC uh, Field Athlete of the Week. Yep, and again, when you talk about Kim Peters and and. Not all of them, but a lot of our dual sport athletes. Kim's also a soccer player for us, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, you want to talk about the epitome of D three week and and all of those involvements that Olivia and Logan talked about. Then she continues to stay in season and goes out and competes like she did, you know. And talking with Josh about track and field, and and we've dissected this a ton, you know, with their third place finish at the UMAX in- indoor, the women's team where we had that really strong, robust senior leadership that, you know, carried us to those couple titles, they're in a position of transition. Mm-hmm. Kim Peters is an upperclassman for us right now. You know, Kendra DeRosa is out there, McKenna Langerud, but there's only like three, four seniors. Mm-hmm. And if I miss anybody, I apologize. Right. But I mean, it, I think there's literally like three women seniors on that side. So there's a an understanding that they're going to take a couple lumps, but going and competing well, having Kim score as she did, it's huge for hopefully their morale as their whole season builds up to the UMAC championships here at home. Right. Yep. Uh, very good. And that allows us then to move on to tennis, who were back in competition yesterday yep. after a little bit of a uh, of a layoff. But um, uh, both the men's and women's teams competed against Martin Luther. Uh, the men had an 8-1 to one loss uh, versus the Knights, and, and Carver Hammond was able to earn us uh, the one point that we got with a win at the number four singles. And then on the women's side, uh, a 6-3 to three win over Martin Luther, which is great. Uh, we had wins in all three of our doubles matches, and then we split the singles matches yep. to get that 6-3 to three advantage. Yeah, but when you look at our tennis programs, and I know the men took the, the beating that they did, but Carver's out there and all of those guys are just playing the game the right way. You know, yeah. it's just they didn't come out on the right side of it. Um, and I'm going to expect that moving forward from them the whole season. The women, on the other hand, Tim, they're, they're a conference tournament tennis team. Absolutely. That's are. a reality with it. Their schedule, just like everybody else's, has just been a mess. Mm-hmm. So they played yesterday. And I know we're going to talk about it here. They play today and they play Friday all at Sartell. So we're making drives. Um, that program in vans or however we're getting there, yep. three straight days to St. Cloud basically yeah. to get these matches in. But they're versus conference opponents and ones that hopefully we come out of this uh, with 6-3 wins, 7-2 wins, I don't care, but wins because um, the women are that caliber of team. They took one off a of superior earlier this mm-hmm. year. Well, they, I guess they totally split with them now. But it's it's one of those things where I have really high aspirations that they're a conference team, get in there to the tournament and then see what happens. But it starts with taking matches versus opponents that, you think on paper you should beat, and they did that yesterday. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, as you mentioned, tennis uh, scheduling wise, looking forward. They play again today, play again tomorrow, and then you mentioned earlier in the pod. Hopefully, um, having a chance to play at home next week. So we'll keep people up to date on that. Track and field um, things changed in the schedule. I believe they were set to go to St. John's. That's changed now. They're yeah, heading down to St. And they canceled their meet. Oh, so that's okay. Correct. Okay, I wasn't sure what the the situation was there, but yeah, so they're heading down to Winona. Um, to compete at St. Mary's this weekend. So best of luck to them. Um, softball, as we have mentioned, has the UMAC crossover um, at Crown and Northwestern. And then baseball, as, as I think I alluded to earlier as well, they get the UMAC leading UWS team who is playing very, very well. I believe they're sitting at 7-1 and one in conference yep. play. Uh, and that's actually being played at St. John's. Correct. Well, it was going to be at Northwestern, and then it was going to be someplace else. And yes, now it is two games, at least as of now, two games at... St. John's tomorrow, and then I think they're going to try to play that that last one on Sunday at Northwestern, but don't quote me on okay. that. But yeah, they're going to try to get their three-game series in. I talked to, to Nick Bursick, the AD up at uh, Superior, and he says that their fields are close, but obviously not playable, so again, we're going neutral yeah. with these, because I think technically this is our home game this weekend, right? I think so. Yeah, So and we are not close. No. Um, so we're going to go get it in, and, and the Cougs have got a battle you know, on all fronts, and same thing with softball at that crossover. I think there's going to be some challenging conditions there that they need to come out and perform like we know they can. Uh, and let's see you know, where the cards shuffle next week when we're back on air. 
Yeah. Uh, so again, today was was uh, I'm glad we were able to wrap up some of the the competition for you and and uh, share that information. But really, the highlight today was was to um, shed some light on Division Three Week and a couple of our outstanding student athletes, which uh, again we hope to do more of. Uh, moving along into the future. And of course, special thanks to our engineer, Mike Seahawk, and student intern, Jack Gala, who's been here uh, in studio with us doing an outstanding job. So uh, well done once again, Jack. And and anything else, Matt, this week before we take this thing out? Nope. Again, D3 week is a special one for all of us. I mean, it's one of those ones that perhaps we don't think about all the time because it comes around and all of a sudden you all, you just see some stuff on social media. The reality here, I think we celebrate D3 week every week with the relationships we're forming with our kids and the experience they're having both in and off uh, of, of competition and in the community. That's what this place is all about. Uh, and being on the pod here, my friend, is all about this with us, sharing great Cougar stuff. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, next week. You've been listening to Into the Den with Matt Johnson and Tim Grove. Let's put a bow on this thing. To get the latest episodes of Into the Den, follow us on Spotify and online at morriscougars.com. Until next time, go Cougars!